Today on Parent Time, we go deep into the heart of lunacy and musicianship as we chat to the musically inspiring Lewis and Dan and the Invisible Band on Benny Asking People Questions. Some acts are made for us to think, some acts are designed to enlighten, and some acts are designed to give us a warm musical hug. And then some acts are designed purely and simply to make us laugh and remind us that such joy, pleasure and community can be found and created through fun and the act of basically a giggle. And then sometimes an act steps a little beyond this and shines a spotlight on everything that could possibly hold some humour. And one such act joins me here today all the way from America. Um, Listeners, I give you Lewis and Dan from Lewis and Dan and the Invisible Band. Thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, your music, honestly, it's just fun. It just purely is fun. It reminds me of just purely having fun. Just it's that simple for me. Um, how much fun is it working together? It's good. Yeah, we work really well together, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We do have a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, it, there's. I feel like there's like not really any tension at all i mean we have ideas that we each bring yeah and um i think because we're both confident in our own ideas but also have like basically total confidence in the other person yeah it makes it pretty easy for someone to be like you know i don't think that's working or let's change this and sometimes the person will be like i don't think so and other times they'll be like all right let's give it a shot and right yeah and and we have definitely been through some cases where somebody brought something that the other person thought was completely ridiculous and as Dan said, because we have some some confidence in each other, yeah. he, he might be overstating the case. Speak for ah. yourself. Um, we, we, we give things a try, and uh, I think sometimes we're surprised by how fun they turn out to be. Yeah. Like, and, until you've really, like, embodied the thing that you're trying out, you can't know how it's going to feel and how it's going to feel for other people, too. So Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a part in your music where, I mean, I, I, I've, I'll sort of jump ahead a bit, but obviously you're both incredibly, musically uh, knowledgeable, I guess, is the best best word for that. But there's a real freedom in the music of Lewis and Dan where it's almost like it's an opportunity for you to just have fun in the knowledge and the understanding yeah. you have of music. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think one thing we both really, really like about what we do is that we're both in uh, grown-up bands Mm. And in grown-up bands, you can't jump. I mean, maybe you can, but we don't jump from genre to genre mm. to genre in the way that we feel like we can with Lewis and Dan, where it's like, let's do, let's do a rap, right? Lewis like wrote a rap and cheese digest. Like, I'm never going to do that in my grown-up band. Uh, and let's do something that's more like a Latin feel for, for rodents and just, yeah. If we hear a sound, we like try to go for it, and that kind of freedom is a lot of fun to work with. We also don't tie ourselves to even within a genre. So if we're doing uh, if we're doing a rap, we don't have to do a, a, an authentic. In fact, we know we can't do an authentic version of hip hop, right? We're always going to do our version, and that that is freeing to know that we can throw in. I mean, clarinets like you don't use clarinets in hip hop, mm. um, but that's that's a sound that we like, right? And so to be able to throw that in is it's it goes back to what you asked. It is fun to be able to play around with these genres yeah. and do things because we think they're they're. Humorous or clever. Let me explain. Rodents of the order Rodentia almost half 
dwarf of all mammals are their kind, so populous are rodents. Rodents. I have images of you two being able to write a song on your way to the fridge to get milk. Um, <laughs> is it Lewis? I was watching you. You wrote That's this a great song. Idea for a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I saw that the little. F- Facebook um, video you put up of yourself writing that song for your class about how to write a song. Yeah. And with that kind of knowledge, I imagine the structure and just creating a song doesn't come easy, but it's pretty natural. And so I hear the fun and the collaboration for you two is then walking away and going, hey, we've got the song. Wouldn't it be amazing if this happened and this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, does that happen together or does that happen in the studio or? A a little bit of both. I mean, we'd normally, one person generates, like comes with like an idea. Like either a skeleton, everything from a skeleton to like, here's basically the song. Mm -hmm. But even in cases where someone comes and like, here's basically the song, we do we do tinker, so we try to find. Um, I mean, Lewis is particularly attentive to this, and I feel like I've become more attentive to it. Finding places in the lyrics where it's like, no, we can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to arranging, we we don't do it when we're actually recording, but we we pre-record everything. So there's mm-hmm. there's a rough draft of everything we've recorded where we're working out what the lines are going to be, what the instrumental lines are going to be, what each part is going to be. And that's simply because when we go record, because it's you know it's not cheap. We want to like yeah hit, hit, hit it yeah. So so there is so you know there's there's a total celebration of lunacy in all the music that the Invisible Band do, and I guess you've just sort of answered that. Is that a really deeply considered thing? I mean, do do you have to take that lunacy quite serious? I, I think it's our natural sense of humor. Mm. I think we both have we both have a very dry and sort of dark sense of humor, and there's there's also like a pretty solid surrealist streak. I think in a lot of what we do, we we enjoy like um, unexpected juxtapositions, yeah. and uh, and I think that comes out in the music where you know like Dan calls for a kazoo solo, mm. and you have this sort of like polyphony of kazoos that I feel like you don't hear much, um, but that to us just feels natural. That's like what we mm. what we tend towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and we want music. We try to write in a way. I mean, we try to write stuff that we really, really like. Yeah. So this is not a case of what are the kids like? Well, we don't like that. I mean, boy, who'd want to listen to that? Well, the kids want to listen to it. There's not. That's not it at all. I mean, we really try to write lyrics and music that make us smile mm-hmm. and laugh. And yeah. so there'll be a lot of like jokes in the in the lyrics that make an adult laugh, like. Mm. Um, like uh, in Have You Got a Word, there's like a line about mm. Emperor Napoleon the Third. I mean, mm. that means like nothing to kids. The kid's never going to come up with Emperor Napoleon the Third as something that rhymes with uh, word. But yeah. yeah, totally. Even the one where I can't remember the actual name of the song, but the one where the child asks his dad for something to eat and then he kind of yeah. rattles off. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that the child's not going to have any idea. Right. He's never heard of almond milk. Um, right. It's just seen his parents wince every time they have to have it. Could I just have some milk to drink? Sure. Would you like almond milk, oat milk, soy milk, goat milk, rice milk, lactose-free milk? How about some chocolate milk? Ha <laughs> ha, good one. Oh. You're both teachers, musical teachers, is that correct? 
I teach philosophy, but Lewis is a music professor. Okay, well that that's that's great because that's great that you're teachers because teachers are awesome. But also, one thing I've noticed with teachers that create content for children is I or I find, and I find myself doing this as well, is you you tend to steer toward just having fun with the music you present because day to day you spend your life being very serious with children. And it's almost musicians that write music for kids always brings a message. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Whereas teachers always go, nah, just let them giggle about spaghetti in their pants and let them yeah, yeah, yeah. laugh at the idea of this. Yeah. Yes. We talked about this very early when we were just starting to work together. And I, I was, ironically, I, I was sort of more of the view that our stuff should be didactic, that there should be kind of a moral or a lesson. Mm. Um and Dan thought, no, like we should, we should be more playful and that's, that's too obvious and it gets to be really tedious. And then actually what I realized is that that's, that's how I feel too, but that's how I teach. I teach college students. I don't teach little kids music. Mm. Um, and I bring a lot of whimsy to my, to my college students mm. because I know they're going to learn better if they're engaged and mm. if they're amused, um, right? Because that's going to make them more enthusiastic. And so I think that's sort of our philosophy. Like if we can get kids singing our songs, even if they don't know the words, they yeah. don't understand the words, the words will become like legible to them mm. as they get older. They're going to realize that the word they were singing the whole time was kombucha. Right. Um, you know, like that's going to happen eventually. And then it's going to click and they're going to realize, oh, I already knew that. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, yeah. there's still value there. I, I have three older sisters. So I grew up listening to music that in some sense was totally age inappropriate from a young age and if you didn't know the word it didn't it didn't even occur to me back then that i didn't know the words you would just kind of mouth along with the sounds um and so i think i think it's something we talked about like i think it's i don't think you need to write the words so that every line is intelligible to a four-year-old you you do need to put enough stuff in there that they can latch on to some things right um but I don't. I don't think it needs to be every line because I think if you make it every line, then then it becomes well, yeah. and then it loses a lot of what we do anyway. Well, I guess you're providing something for them to reach to as well, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah that's I don't right. know what that is. Yeah. Um, so you've got. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but both albums have come out in the same year. Yeah. So being so closely released, you'd be forgiven for them not to be enormously different, um, but. But there is growth in them. I found the second one seems to be a bit more anthemic, or like it's a feels a bit. It feels larger. It feels like it's a it's a bigger um, soundscape. Whereas the first one is a bit tighter, a bit more piano, a bit more kind of like the very sparse clarinets, things like that. But then you get into yeah. the second album. I mean, what changed for you in the space of? six months i mean is it the performing live if it's just or is it just a you know we've done that let's just move it on a bit that is a good question i I mean i think we learned a lot about studio recording through the first album through the process of making that um i acquired a bass clarinet i I bought it for myself as a father's day present yeah that's a big difference um, and we realized we could use this in a couple of the songs and then i think we also just we, we realized that we could do bigger arrangements because we have musicians who are available to us. Yeah. Um, like, so I teach music at St. Olaf College mm. in Northfield and uh, my students are incredible musicians. And we it, had, has a, it has a music conservatory. Yeah, we, we yeah. had a couple of them play on the album. So we didn't have to limit ourselves to just what we could play or right. what maybe like one or two guest artists could play. 
um, we could pull in a bunch of students and uh, and get many more different sounds in the first album. You can you can absolutely hear that as well. I think I think one one of the things which it's not so much a question, but I'd written down was the fact that it's like I can hear really highly trained, competent musicians coming in to play the simplest things, which right, ordinarily yeah. you might go, actually, you know what, it's three notes, I might be able to pull that off. Because you've yeah. gone, well, yeah, I could pull it off, but then that person over there yeah, has just spent 20 years learning. more often than you think, to be honest. Lewis plays a lot of stuff. So, so like um, on Can We Get Along, the last track on the second album, um, we did bring in a trumpet player to play some of those sort of soulful lines, but I'm playing like two or three saxophones as well, um, which is like not my main instrument. But it's it's buried in the mix and it's... Uh, it works. It works. It works. Yeah. It's just about thickening the sound, right, and getting it to be a little bit more soulful. So Yeah. Yeah, I think there's also more of Lewis's voice on the second record. Yeah. So I think that... that yes, that definitely. Added to more of the... I mean, I don't mean his vocal voice. I mean, his, his writerly no, voice. I, I think you can hear voice. it. Yeah, it's, it's a definitely... I mean, it's quite... Yeah, I was quite not shocked in a bad way, but quite like well, I, I just assumed there was like two or three years between the two, and then when I checked the dates, and I kind of was like, oh, no more fighting for attention, no more shouting, give it back. We're other thing about what you do is performance wise it could just be you and a guitar yeah or you and a keyboard i yes. mean they are constructed in that fashion that you don't yeah, need yeah. to walk on with the full orchestra that's just the recorded version of them that's right that's exactly right just has performance changed the look of what you might <laughs> you're better at it better we've got it we've got it we've got it more down into what what's involved in putting on a show that will hold people's attention throughout yeah. and runs smoothly. Um, and that still features a lot of sounds. I mean, part of the gimmick, right, is that we've got this invisible band. So what does that mean? Well, it, sometimes it means I turn around and play some instruments with yeah. my back to the crowd. Yeah. Um, but then we bring, try to bring those instruments back at other times. So yeah. it means that um, there aren't many songs that are arranged the same way, even in live performance. There, there are a lot of sort of different combinations of instruments. Right. I just want to talk about that last song, Can We Get Along? Because um, there's there's a bit of a – there's I, I guess what you were saying before, there's this the, – the joy of not having a theme or a message allows you to just go, hey, this one is just going to be an ode to my mum. This one's just going to be me reminding my sister that I was a brat. Right. <laughs> but I kind of was there because I loved hanging out with her. Right. Um, 
Is it like so? If, if it, the question was like, you know, cry my baby is a parent to a child. Um, so it's not a un, terribly unfamiliar theme for you too. I mean, we've got the dad talking to his boys and can we get along? Our mums, the, the big sister, big eared boy, desperado. I mean, there's, there's a lot of parent to child with you, but then there's also a lot of just child stuff. I yeah. Mean, is 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 that really just you going? Oh, actually, you know what? I want to write a song about that right now. Or like, how do you, I don't know. They're very personal. They're very personal, yeah. some of these songs. Yeah. That's, I'm glad to hear that. I think that's we. That's what we want. I think that songs, I mean, not all of them, you know, like Underwear Spaghetti is not personal. No. Uh, it doesn't have any deep <laughs> resonance. Again, speak for yourself. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think, yeah, a lot of them do, you know, a, a big sister is about my sisters and I talk about my dad and like, uh, um, and our moms, right. I, they, um, and I think that's, I mean, I think it's one way to write I mean, they, compelling music. They anyway. say, write what you know. Yeah. Right? right. And so like, if, if we're, if we're stretching too much and we do stretch sometimes, like there are songs that, that are sitting in our song ideas folder that mm. like maybe nothing is ever going to happen with right. because they're not personal enough. We don't know enough about that topic mm. to be compelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you know, right. But then we also do have songs like, rodents which doesn't have any no. personal connection and we didn't know anything about we but you know it. yeah, yeah we, you wikipedia but, can can personalize you to rodents pretty quickly right. i imagine yeah. um, I, and, I think it's kind of like an idea occurs to us yeah. and we pursue it a certain amount and see if it's viable and yeah. then if it's not we drop it but it doesn't have to be about our families it doesn't have to be parenting mm. or being a child dan um dan wrote a song recently about apples yes just, but I love apples. So, I, mean, that I guess is, it's personal. It is personal. I really love apples. But it I mean, doesn't appear to have anything to do with anything. No, it has yeah, nothing to do with anything. Well, I guess, and yeah. I guess that's kind of, I guess it was sort of, I, I sort of didn't explain it well enough, I guess, because, and what you're saying is sort of what I meant was there's this thing through all of your music, which is, <clears throat> which is generally the two of you just having fun within it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not over... It's not overthought in terms of becoming contrived. It's overthought in terms of the delivery, but <laughs> but it's but you're not, you know, you literally just go. That's what I want to do right now, and I'm going to yeah, do it, and yeah. I'm going to make it the best I can. And yeah. and you know, again, that also talks about all the guest vocalists as well. How do you? I mean, there's some songs that I kind of go, oh, well, that would be a guest vocalist, but then you've had a guest vocalist for that. So how again is it just? Hey, that works. That doesn't. I mean, the two songs that have uh, so is the guy that sings "Hot Dog," who's the same guy that sings "Can We Get Along." Oh, is that not one? I that not one of you? No. Can we can we get along? No, no, no. no not the can, not no the hot dog. The hot dog. I I thought was one of you. Oh, that's our friend. No, Ken. that's Ken. Ken Pierce. And both of those songs were written for Ken because he has such he has a great voice. Had an insane voice. Yeah. <laughs> And it allow again, it allows us to do a different genre, basically. So right. he's got a rock and roll voice. Like a stadium rock like a sta and roll. Yeah, voice. so yeah. we can't we don't want to sing in that style ourselves. No. We can't pull it off. No. Um, but because he can and he's he's our friend, he lives a couple blocks away from us, um, we know we can sort of reserve a spot for him on the album. Or even yeah. if he sings our live shows sometimes too, and just always brings down the house. It's amazing. Well, and I guess it's just another element, isn't it? It's another way of of pushing yourself musically as well, of going, well, we need a stadium rock tune here. What does that sound like? It's probably not filled with clarinets, you know? No, Maybe it's no that's right. <laughs> but it's also when you, when, like, this is true with instruments too, that if you 
have the sound of an instrument in your head, then you start thinking what can with I that instrument for? in in mind. Right. Like you hear um, you hear lines that you wouldn't hear if you didn't have that instrument in line right. in mind. And Just the like, same is true with Ken's voice. It's like we hear, I think, musical possibilities because we can hear Ken singing it. Yeah, yeah sure. Just like writing at the piano and writing at the guitar are different, fundamentally different experiences. And they're going to produce different results. Um, we, we hear Ken's voice as an instrument, basically. Right. Please, please, all I want is a hot dog. All I want is a hot dog. Not a tofu dog, a hot dog. When I first listened to your music, um, so I got the albums, sat down, pressed play, didn't realize I had it on shuffle. Mm. And the first thing I heard was 10 meter diving ball. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I literally just thought this, this was like nothing I've ever heard before. And <laughs> like, it was, I, I, that song to me is just extraordinary. I think it's just such an extraordinary feat. It's so, it's so well done. <laughs> it's so well articulated i reckon um but the gift was i realized i that was like 10th song on the album or something and then i kind of went oh that's a i i'm hoping and with no disrespect i was a bit like oh i hoping i haven't just landed on this impeccable song and then um doesn't reach that but they all just you know i think i think I think what was beautiful about landing on that song is it was so left of field for me, but then everything subsequently was also. I was waiting. It didn't matter that I was on shuffle. It didn't matter which album I was listening to. By the end of it, I stopped mashing the album, like working out which was which. It just was this big, I don't know, they're all just so standalone songs. I mean, how do do you decide... It's time to make an album. Let's sit down and do ten songs, or do you go? It's time to make an album. Bring those thirty songs you've been working on for the last year, and let's chuck them on yeah. the table and see where we go. The latter. The latter. That's yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're we're thinking about recording the next one, and mm. it's just we 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 both make our lists of our top twelve yeah. and thirteen, and we see where the lists match up, and then we argue about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, That's exactly right. But yeah, really, there's there's a uh, I can't think of any, but there's. Definitely songs that like almost made it on the first one, and then we're like, we'll do it on the second one. I'm like, nope, didn't make it on the second one either. Yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll never get recorded. But yeah, um, yeah we have. Lewis alluded to our song folder, like ideas, sketches. If we just do on our phones, there's like, Dozens. there's a lot it's in there. Insane. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this seems to have. Ta- I don't know what it is, but this venture seems to have like. Open to something in both of us that's like, yeah, that just stuff just come. I went right to the top of the 10 meter diving board. I am staring down, wondering what I did that for. There is a line of Is it easy to draw on an influence? Because I hear that real vaudeville type of stuff in your – like I, yeah. I can really hear that. I, I see you performing and I have glimpses of those 50s, 60s variety shows 
and you're out there doing those songs and they're for adults. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that, is, is, that a, is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, we've had friends suggest that, like, if it doesn't work out with kids, we should do, um, we should just, right. was it novelty like, songs? Like, just be a novelty, novelty songs, um, yeah, exactly. And I, I, think, I think both of us have listened to that music and are attracted to it, and mm. it definitely informs a lot of what we do. There's a kind of, I, the way I explain it is, to me, there's sincerity in hokiness. There's, mm. there's actually, like, authenticity in kitsch. So if we are making music that sounds a lot like Tim Pan Alley or Vaudeville or musical theater, um, that's because that's that's like how I hear the music that's coming out, and it's it is not contrived, right? Because that the music was contrived, and now it's just become like part of us. So at least me. Mm-hmm. Uh, same Dan, I think the same thing goes with like indie or yeah. or like folk music. Um, it's authentic because that's like how we produce what we produce. And then we don't worry about if it sounds like other stuff. In fact, that's part of the point. Yeah. It becomes yeah. very familiar and accessible and means that people can latch onto it that much more quickly. Splash. <gasps> that was Well, there is a familiarity in your music. I mean, I was trying to put my finger on it, and then when I watched you write that song for the for your class, um, and I guess that's in the training, isn't it? I mean, you've you've got you understand these relationships between music, um, and you know you, un- you 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 know these relationships, and you're able to bring and they're tried and tested in a way, and and yeah. You know, so I decided unequivocally that that was the answer. So, uh, <laughs> which led me then to the instrumentation. <laughs> But I guess that's the thing about vaudeville and that kind of years, isn't it? Is you did have what you would call these novelty songs, but the difference was they were they were accompanied with these extraordinary musicianship and these incredible arrangements around them, which is again what just completely engulfed me in what the two of you do. Is every song I could just go further? I could listen to it repeatedly and just get the lyrics, move past the lyrics listen to the piano and then listen to the piano and go, all right, it's playing the same three chords. And I've got to be honest with you, they're the same three chords that are in all my songs, yeah. but they sound nothing like the song, the chords I play. <laughs> and then, you know, there's just this, the, the depth in what you do for me sounds like it must take an eternity, but I guess that's the training, isn't it? I, so. I guess so. Yeah. I feel like we both in both of our writing, like we're, I think if, I did think as you say, Lewis, like it kind of comes naturally of like pushing a little beyond the standard moves harmonically. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of our songs are just totally straightforward harmonically; they're just simple, simple, simple. Mm. Others, uh, others are just go like a, a little beyond. There's just like things in there that's like not quite what you would hear, but the sound of the song is still very yeah, and that's. Accessible. It's yeah. not. It's not like what that. What was that? Like that is totally out there. And so I think it's kind of like challenging the audience's ears. Um, yeah, challenging their ears, but in a context like a little bit at a time, or 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 at portions of a song, but then it always I feel like comes back home. So it like manages to be comfortable while also challenging. Yeah, and I think I, I hear that in, I, I find your melodies are the thing that lifts you away from the familiarity. They're the things that I always get 
uh, not shocked in a bad way, but they're the thing that makes me go, oh, okay, that's I wasn't expecting it to go there. Yeah, the music, yeah. the music's, yeah, the music's giving me a hug, and I understand it, and it's complex yeah. and it's beautiful. But then the melody is the thing that kind of pulls me out of that. Hurry up, hurry up, let's go outside. I wanna ride my brand new bike. Let's go outside. You, you appear to listen to our music more yeah, closely yeah. than no, this is literally a lot of anyone else, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, we're totally digging this. We're almost through, no don't redo with time my shoe. I'm waiting on salvationly, don't know why we always have to go so slow. So, Lewis, you're a musicologist. Yeah. And there, my understanding is there's four branches of the study of this. There's the ethnomusicology, which is international stuff. There's music history, music theory, and the systematic musicology. Which one are you or where do you fit in that? I'm, I'm primarily a music historian. I work on uh, patronage and politics in early 20th century French classical music. Yep. Um, but I, I would say I... I mean, I don't publish in the other fields, but I teach all of them to some extent because I think of I think of music as a holistic enterprise that involves, um, you know, not not only historical stuff and certainly not just Western European classical traditions, but um, but like participation, listening, and and sort of traditions of commentary and thinking from all over the world. Now, so, the I only reason, the sorry. <laughs> I just like the way it sounds. I just like the way music sounds. <laughs> well, the only reason I ask is because obviously you're familiar with forensic musicology. Yeah. There's got to be a song in that, using music to solve a crime. It's sure. Well, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Solving Ooh, music. <laughs> Right, some, of my, some of my good friends in the discipline are forensic musicologists, and um, I want to know, I, like sometimes I want to know how they sleep at night, and sometimes I want to know how they got into that uh, that racket because they make a lot of money, and I I would love to get really involved. yeah I mean so if you testify at at trial oh right in like copyright cases right um, you can get paid tens of thousands of dollars as a consultant huh. uh, and the only downside is you might contribute to a significant closing of the public domain or the the idea of the commons that allows people like us to. Do things that are slightly derivative, right? Slightly right, right, right. I see. Without, without getting sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, huh. I kind of like the idea that you walked into like a murder scene with a, <laughs> with a clarinet and just let like the that. music speak and solve the sure. crime. Um, anyway, on. think about that. Using music to solve a crime. Um, sure. Just going back to 10-meter diving board, the child jumps and somebody makes the splash sound. Yeah. Who's that? I think that was me. Now, I I mean, I already told you what I think about that song. I think it's quite amazing. But having the vocal splash instead of what was desperate for the sound effect of a splash, genius. Totally disarming, <laughs> totally amazing. It was just like I was just ready for this big, psh, and then it just says this tiny. Psh. It was just like yeah. 
That's amazing. I don't know why, but just that, the gentleness of the landing held so much weight. That's good. That's good. I don't think, I, I don't think, not a huge amount of thought went into it, except to say that we, we are very much on the, on like, aware of or want to be, sorry, not putting this well. We're on the lookout for not like overproducing. Yeah. Like we like sure. a kind of homespun sound. Uh, um, it, it, we, as you know, like you can do like basically anything that you mm. want with Pro Tools. You want the sound of a splash? Get the sound of a splash. You want the sound of a diving board going boing? You can mm. you can get that. Um, I think we like we really like the sound. It's sounding like there's two people or four people sitting in a room making the sounds. Mm. Absolutely, and I think I think that comes across. And as I've said before, I think that comes across in the style and everything you do. I mean, you, you just there is a genuine sense of the two of you just enjoying, really enjoying sitting around. It's your golf, you know. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. know, this is what you'd prefer to do for six hours yeah. on a Saturday. You know. It's true. What's next? Like, how how have you found kids' music's kids' music, but at some point you got to walk on stage and you got to give it to an audience? How have you found that? I mean, it's been, I think, in turns um, invigorating and challenging and sobering. Um, and I think we, on the one hand, we love we love playing in public. We love the the look on parents' faces when they get a joke that that is a little bit on the sort of purple side. Um, yeah. We love to see the kids jumping around and dancing, singing along. Like that's been incredibly gratifying to, to see people at repeat shows, right? Yeah. Who started to really know the music. Um, at the same time, we both have full-time jobs. We both have young families. We know we can't tour. Um, we can't do a lot of the work that, that artists need to do to really like expand their fan base and grow. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a tension there. And yeah. I think one of the reasons we're maybe more prolific in terms of songwriting and recording is because that's more uh, within reach. Yeah. Like we, we can do that in town. We can do that up in the cities. We don't really have to go anywhere. We just need, need some time, but we can afford that time. Yeah. Um, one thing that's nice about making kids music is that unlike the grown-up music scene like the indie scene it's not just insanely saturated so if you're uh i mean the indie rock scene is like in you know we're in minnesota there's like four indie rock bands in our small town and you go to minneapolis and there's like just tons and so if you don't put a huge amount of time into trying to really make yourself um get out there it just won't get any uptake but that there's a lot of kids music but comparatively there's not so if you put out something that people find compelling it's more likely to like bubble up to the surface yeah totally i mean we we it's it's kind of weird like since been i've been doing these podcasts and i've met a lot more uh international artists and things it it strikes me just it's a very small considered uh community everyone yeah, also super generally cares. friendly yeah. so people have been really generous nice so generous yeah. sending notes and we it's just 
It's great. It's a, it seems like a really lovely community of people. So you've got the next album coming out um, in, uh, say, a month, and you'll have another one in about three ah, months after that. And then exactly. it's probably like a double album towards the end of the year, I guess. Oh, is that is that the plan? You got it. <laughs> we, they, the, the breaks are going to be applied because Lewis is going on sabbatical. Oh. So he's moving out of the country for a year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm heading to France with my family so I can finish a book that I'm writing. Oh, great. I can speak some French. Um, so we'll, we'll be quiet for a little while. Yeah, we'll hope to record some stuff before I leave so that it can be in sort of like production while I'm gone and then we'll release it when I get back. But I don't, we won't have another album out at this rate until 2021. 2021 yeah. at the earliest. Yeah. But in the meantime, we'll still be sending ideas back and forth. <laughs> totally. Um, and I think we'll, we'll be making progress in our, in our way. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about Pro Tools, you can just record it here, send it over there, record it over it's there, good. send it back here. You can still, you know, there's still an album yeah. to be done. Um, well, you know, spending a year in France, I can't imagine you'll come back with any song ideas no, at exactly. all after that. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there. I just really, again, and I sort of usually sign off and all this, but, you know, I, I just it's just such great music. It is so great to listen to. <laughs> it is, it's, it's just so much depth to it and um, it kind of breaks my heart when I hear people give children just the best possible stuff they can be given. Well, so thank you. For, thank you for doing what you do. And, um, yeah. and thank you very much for taking the time to chat to me today. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you. I, I, mean, I think do, I mentioned we both play in like adult bands. I think, I don't know if this is true of your adult bandmates, but my adult bandmates, I think they, I think they just presume that it's more satisfying to play the indie rock than to do the kids stuff. Uh, and I don't know what I thought when we started, but it became apparent like very quickly that it is it is no less satisfying. In some ways, it's more satisfying mm. to work on the kids' music for some some of the a lot of the reasons we were mentioning of just like the total freedom mm. and uh, some of the stuff Lewis mentioned stuff that would count as totally hokey, and you just couldn't do it in a grown up song. It's like you can do it. You can just do it in a kids' song. It's just fine. You don't have to worry about. There's no sense of like. There's no pretension. There's no posing. It's There's, just, yeah. just it's, it's having fun. It's like totally yeah. honest. Yeah. The fact that you can hear that in our music is really gratifying. Yeah. So thank you for, for noticing it and, and for taking the time to talk with us. Excellent. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about Lewis and Dan, then head along to their website at www.lewisdaninvisibleband.com. And of course, for more Parent Time goodness, head to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking people questions. Wow.